This is an episode of The Ramp, a podcast produced by Deloitte Digital. Hi everyone, welcome to this episode about solution transformation. That might sound a bit unfamiliar, but I'm quite sure you have encountered it many times before. Luckily, our two guests and a special co-host will help us and tell you all about it. So, let's get right into our round of introductions. Enjoy! Yeah, I'm happy to. So my name is Daan van der Zande, working at Deloitte. I've uh, been doing that for the past three years and the time before that uh, I spent over a decade in, uh, well, at the other side of the fence, if you may, in the real world. Uh, I'm predominantly working with startups, scale-ups, bringing a lot of disruption to the market. Um, and today within Deloitte, I'm doing similar things, but then, well, in a combination uh, with the corporate world. So a lot of corporate ventures really looking at the strategy that we want to tackle. And a big part of that is how do we revamp our offering to not only focus on products, but also solutions that combine, well, products, services, software, and what have you not. So that's me in a nutshell. Cool. Um, yeah, first of all, thanks for hosting me, uh, Niels Cornett. Um, I'm also part of Deloitte Consulting. Um, I'm a long-time Deloitte, so maybe I never worked in the real world. Uh, remains to be discussed, I think. Um, I focus mainly on right making it happen, right? And um, once our clients have come up with right things that they want to do as an as a service offering, I focus on how to build the right capabilities and technologies to support all of that. And I do that in a variety of industries, and I've been doing that for right, I don't know five plus years at this point. I think. Cool. Uh, I'm Suleiman Nadrun, uh, 31, uh, three years at Deloitte. Also, uh, not as experienced as my other two uh, uh, guests and uh, subject matter experts, but nonetheless uh, a consultant at Deloitte also and. Uh, yeah, work on uh, improving sales and service processes at clients. And today I'll not be uh, as the expert, but more as a co-host here at, uh, at the ramp and uh, asking some, uh, some thoughtful probing questions to uh, get some nice, uh, nice stories out there. So. Awesome. Very exciting, guys. Um, today we'll be talking about, um, well, it has many names, everything as a service uh, or XAAS. What are we going to talk about? What what is this topic? So um, it, it's a very it, it ultimately it's about a business trend, um, and in, indeed you're right. It goes by many names, right? So everything as a service, which is really all about right products, software, anything you sell, you can sell it in as a service mode. Um, another term that you hear is subscription economy, which is the same thing. Focuses a little bit more on okay, how do you commercialize how do you monetize what you offer um, another thing is servitization which is a term that i find first of all hard to pronounce um, and second of all it starts to become repetitive right so um, solutions transformation is another one where it's really more focused on delivering the light solution to our clients and while SaaS is maybe a term that we use a little bit more for kind of greenfield operations um Solution transformation is maybe the term that we apply to right existing incumbent companies moving from a product-centric offering to a solutions offering. Um, to give you an example, right? So when I actually walked into the building this morning, right? If you look at the big bike rack, and, and for the audience, right, we're we're in Amsterdam recording this, so lots of bikes on the streets. The amount of bike with the blue wheels, right, which is what we in Dutch call swap feeds, uh, it's in essence bike as a service, right. I think it's a good example of a product that we used to buy, then maybe I right, trade in and get a new bike that we now 
just use as a service offering, just like your uh, your telecom or your cable TV subscription. Yeah, I think uh, some some good examples there, and I think the, the the better known examples exist in the digital world, for instance, where you say, well, um, I'm not renting DVDs anymore; I'm just turning on Netflix or any other streaming platform. But it becomes a bit more, let's say, cloudy. If you look at a lot of the other businesses out there, they might not have an offer that is that straightforward to digitalize, but still they need to think about how the world around them is changing, how they can tap into similar trends, the opportunities it can create, first and foremost, of course, for the value uh, that they can bring to their customers, but also the business opportunities to expand their own business. Um, and that's, uh, I think, where it becomes interesting. How do you shift from, well, probably a successful model that you've been working for a number of years into a new world that is opened up through all the means of digitalization that we now have. Uh, Makes sense. So uh, I heard you say that um, this happens quite a bit in the, the digital realm. You talked about uh, your movies, uh, Renting, for example. Uh, but you also mentioned spot feeds. Is this a thing that is moving from digital to physical or w- what's the trend in this case? Yeah, I think, I think it's... so. It's not necessarily that much of a novelty, if you may. I think the first actual example where you have physical assets being managed on a subscription basis is uh, probably Power by the Hour from Rolls-Royce. It's in 1963, or let's say the 1960s. And there they really, instead of selling jet turbines, they monetized the use of these turbines. So that's, well, quite a while ago, if you may. Uh, But why it never really uh, took off, uh, no pun intended, is it's always hard to measure that use. Uh, and I think that's a big difference with what, where we are today. If you see the uh, enablement that we get through technology, um, think about Internet of Things, uh, different ways where you can really uh, monitor um, and capture data from physical assets, that's really what opening up a realm of possibilities. Also think about the power that you have with a lot of this uh, processing in the cloud. Well, yeah, that's that's just a completely new playground for everybody to explore. So I think it is making its way in the physical world, um, and rightfully so, I would say. And um, is there any difference, for example, between industries? Uh, we've talked about digital versus physical, but I can imagine uh, between industries there uh, could be a difference in how, how this can be implemented or how this can uh, can work. Yeah, so, so g- good question. If you look at, right, tech and then particularly software, it's by far right now the predominant mode of delivery in how you sell and charge, right? So software as a service is, you'll be hard pressed to find a software company that sells its services, right? In the old model of like, we sell you licenses for five years and we don't see you for the next five years. So tech, I think, has been on this wave for a while, particularly software. We see it in other industries, right? So we're working with big manufacturing companies on kind of combining their physical assets and their digital solutions into a compelling offer that they then charge out into an as-a-service subscription model. Selling it to businesses sometimes is a harder um, challenge to overcome, Although one thing to keep in mind is, right, as soon as you start selling it as a service, it also becomes an operational expense instead of a capital expense, right? So there's there's advantages for companies like that. And you can also really start to focus, right, rather than... um, A good example is is a a company that sells these big, like, dirt-moving machines, these excavators, right? Before, they would sell them, right, to big construction companies, 
big, massive machines. Maybe there's a little bit of a maintenance contract into it. But you can also come up with a proposition where you, right? And ultimately what the, what the customer wants is, I don't want to own this machine. I just want to move dirt and I want to have a certain reliability that the machine works. Well, maybe you sell dirt as a service, dirt moving as a service, I should say, for right 24 by 7 availability. Time for a small recap. The topic that we're talking about right now has many names, but solution transformation is what we're calling it right now. It's not something new, but it's now more enabled due to changes in technology, for example, to manage and monitor usage. And now it's moving from digital products also to the physical. And that brings up some interesting questions about sustainability. So that is what we are going to talk about in our next section. So where where does that also fit in or, or, or maybe gets accelerated? Where we see, let's say, more a shift to a more sustainable world, more sustainable economy. I can imagine that that has a lot of impact on uh, companies thinking about their models or revenue models. And is there, is, is there a, a, let's say, a, a cause and a, a, an effect situation going on there from a, a sustainability perspective to marketing stuff as a service? Uh, I think what's, what's also interesting and funny when you say, well, it's, it's a shift from, from um, ownership to usership, it also goes the other way around. Because for the company providing the service, if you would usually sell a bike, then, you know, the bike is off your balance sheet, you have your transaction in, you cash your money in, and you're done. Simplified, of course. Now you retain ownership of the bike whilst you provide the service to uh, the consumers. So that shift goes into a completely other other uh, other direction. And I think from the sustainability angle, uh, there's... Well, I would say a plethora of, uh, of opportunities. It's, it's one of the big drivers because it really forces companies, especially in the manufacturing um, uh, uh, space, to think about ownership from a sustainability perspective. If you coin a phrase like from cradle to grave, uh, there's an additional responsibility to have a full footprint over the life cycle of your product. And that doesn't stop once you sell it. So um, these things are very interlinked with how a product is being used. So it can be a driver. Um, I think I mentioned at the start also the the uh, link to the data that you would need for a product footprint. Um, that is something where the physical and the digital really blend together. So I think sustainability as a theme uh, is, well, uh, woven into the concept of as a service or can be woven into the concept of as a service and a solution transformation. It can be driving it, it can be accelerating it, um, and it's definitely something that at least we see a number of companies uh, uh, jumping on because it either creates an opportunity in the market or it solves a problem that they are facing uh, due to, well, changing rules and regulations. Um, I was thinking of an example um, where this this everything as a service and um, sustainability come together. These little scooters in the city where people can sort of rent them for mm-hmm. a minute. What do you think about that? How does that work? Uh, looking from the the lens of sustainability. Yeah, and it's it's. I think I think it's. There's also an example linked. Or it's well counterproductive for sustainability. It's not for the scooters. I think the scooters are actually doing quite okay. But if you look at the bicycles, especially the earliest versions of that, they really popped off in China, for instance, where well it was a very appealing case for investors. But then there became such an increasing amount of let's say competition in the space that supply and demand were 
well, <laughs> they were completely out of uh, out of balance, if you may. So then you end up with big piles of, let's say, graveyards of rental bikes. Uh, my little brother, for instance, he bought one of these discarded bikes for, well, for a steal uh, because they were just not being used enough. And in that case, well, you sort of miss the point from a, let's say, holistic sustainability perspective. Uh, so, yes, it uh, I think in theory can work, um, but... It needs to be. It needs to be. Uh, and 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 that brings up a good point, right? So, um, sustainability is one of the drivers that I think is supported by this as a service trend, or or vice versa. But there's always a thin line, right? So um, there's also examples of what I would in essence call shipping as a service, right? Some of the big online retailers, you pay a certain amount a year, you get free shipping. Well, then there's almost like an incentive to keep ordering from this place, right? Even for things that I can just walk to the shop around the corner. So it's a thin line between dust and solutions transformation or as a service transformation support or, or contributes to a more sustainable world versus, right, does it do damage? And I think it really depends on the use case. Um, and I think right, the shipping as a service types of concepts because you've already paid for the shipping and therefore right, ordering it from there is a more economical choice for you. That's an example of where right it can go the other way. Okay, um, I think we've heard a lot of pros and 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 positives on uh, this whole transition and trend. Um, I can imagine uh, there are some challenges, maybe challenges for companies, challenges for organization. I think we've heard some. Uh, just now in the, in the, in the sustainability example, um, what are other challenges that that uh, companies can face or industries can face when moving to such a, a model? Well, um, well, it's not it's not an easy thing, right? It is a transformation if you think through it, right? Um, it starts with product development. You now need to design products and services uh, for an as a service um, solutions offering which is, in some instances, different, right? Um, maybe, Dan, maybe your perspective on some of the more business challenges, and I, I can go deeper on the technical challenges in a minute. <laughs> yeah, no, happy to. I think, I think a big part is also the financing. Let's, let's use the uh, moving dirt as a service. Uh, so I'm not selling these big diggers anymore. I'm renting them out. Uh, that means that, well, they remain on my balance sheet, how am I going to finance for that? Because my cash flow will be radically different. So um, my accounting setup changes, my financial setup changes. I'll probably need to work with an investor, with an insurance company, somebody that pre-finances my business. All these things come into play. And that might be a bit abstract. So let's let's also give an example. Um, we've been doing a number of these transformations. And one of the things that, uh, well, seems to be a recurring theme is indeed, like Niels mentioned, how am I going to commercialize this? Um, because from a very transactional business, you're now selling a service. That means that what you're selling is radically different, but also who you're selling things to. In my case, with solution transformation, I'm often dealing uh, with companies that already offer a product and they talk to a procurement department and they have a very healthy relation there. But now they're selling, for instance, uh, well, software on top. You need to work with tenders. You might need to talk to different people. 
how on earth am I going to manage this? Uh, and indeed, my uh, what happens to my bonus? Can I combine it with my product? Is it a separate subscriptions? What do my customers expect? Do they think that? So there's a lot of these small nuances because it's it's quite an impactful uh, organization and you can do it at the heart of your business. You can say, well, I'm starting with a small pilot at arm's length, uh, but soon enough you'll find all these small adaptations that you need to do throughout, whether it's uh, commercial, operational, financial. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it has an impact. So I wonder how do... Um uh, clients or customers react to to switching such a model because when I think of switching to another type of model I think of Adobe switching from their normal suite to a subscription based creative cloud model where all the designers all the people using their products were like this is not what we want it will become so expensive and I, I still actually hear people talking dislay about uh, this not being a, a nice move from them I think that's a, that's a good example uh, of 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 how uh, multifaceted this this topic can be because I think Adobe has a very strong market position. If you look at their tools, uh, predominantly Photoshop, Illustrator, well, their entire suite, all creative professionals use them. That puts them in almost a monopoly position where they can also push a model that is maybe less favorable for their consumers, um, but beneficial to them. Uh, how sustainable that is in the long run, that always remains the question. But at least in a moment where you have that bargaining power or that position, that, that monopoly almost, yeah, then you can choose directions like that. I don't think uh, every company out there is as privileged uh, as Adobe is in that case. Uh, but it is a good question. It's, uh, yeah. I, I would agree with you uh, in, in, in this case, uh, being a user of their products myself, so that I'd rather have seen it the other way around and them sticking to, uh, to the one-off uh, price point. Yeah, and then I think, I think also, I mean, uh, we need to look at it from both sides. I think a strong argument that Niels made is that in software, having a license or a one-off install, I mean, it's, it's for a reason that it's no longer the, the, the status quo. If you think about continuously updating your, pro your product, making sure that it's, uh, well, offering everything that you need, I think that's also something that you would need to realize. For instance, uh, the pace at which Adobe integrated, for instance, uh, AI capabilities in their product, that's, that's absolutely amazing. And that's something not to forget, that it's also a byproduct of having this subscription model because it generates recurring revenue for them to keep developing their product. So... If you look back in the days, and uh, <laughs> I think I'm becoming old as well, the updates uh, that you used to see in Adobe were way less frequent. And now it's so fluent, so seamless. And that experience, well, that also goes hand in hand with the price tag. So it's, it's, it's never black and white, I would say. Yeah. I mean, that brings up a good point, right? So, so th this is all about value, right? And I think too often we confuse value um, with, oh, well, the price a customer needs to pay. And that's the only thing that they care about. Um, and there's certainly consumers like that or, or enterprises like that around. And that's why right earlier on um, said that you can't just take what you have today and right, put a little veneer and call it well solution or as a service. Right? You, you need to combine it with other things. Um, another good example is a company that produces right, um, high-quality speakers. Um, and they, it's also, it's a good example from, t from two angles. It's A, because they operate a subscription type uh, offering next to just a classic, right, sell and forget model, as I call it. Um, but with the subscription model, right, you in essence buy 
a whole right HD sound setup for your home. Somebody comes to install it. Um, they um, include right the different streaming services that are included in your subscription. You get free concert tickets. Then right the value of proposition starts to change. And there might still be customers that say, you know what, I'm not interested in all of that. Just give me right the the, the physical speaker. If you've just taken an existing product and all you do is, well, right, now you're going to pay me monthly, then it's, in most instances, doomed to fail. Unless you have such a market position that you can right, just force the market with you. But that's very few companies, to be honest. So we can say solution transformations can contribute to a more sustainable world. But as Niels mentioned, it can go either way depending on the use case. We also talked about the effects on customers when switching your business model and how to shape your value proposition for best results. So let's get into the final section of this episode where we take a step back to reflect on what the effects are of switching to such a service model. Um, so I was thinking that, well, one company would switch their, their business model, another company does it. Would the world in the end be a better place as every company would switch to another business model like that? That's a very big question. It's <laughs> a, a very <laughs> philosophical question a, 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 as well. Um, I think, for example, right, if we if we look at, again, back to the sustainability angle, will the world be a better place if we no longer, right, as each individual own a car or a scooter or something else that we only use to get from A to B, right, for, for very limited parts of the day? Probably yes. And... Um, there's probably products and services to think through that, that will always be, right, the sense of personal ownership that we would like. Um, but I think in the end, for a lot of things, the world, yes, the world will be a better place. Yeah, I, I tend to agree as well. I mean, at the core, I'm a very simple guy and I like to make things simple. And if you then look at a business, um, it's all about creating value. There's a need out there. If you manage to successfully fulfill that need, then you're creating value. And I think the big advantage of solution transformation or anything as a service is that you can really monetize, solutionize, offer uh, tightly connected to that value. So there's a much stronger correlation between value and your services. And well, in the simple world, that drives the creation of value and everybody benefits. You create value, you capture value. So in that sense, yeah, I think uh, it makes it in a way more transparent. Are there any companies you think should be switching right now? Anything you miss or you find, oh, that would be a nice opportunity to, to work on or any fields? There's there's a number of companies, um, but let's, let's, let's not look at the names. I think if we look at the industries, um, asset-heavy industries are really interesting um, because they often have quite a big pressure on the return on capital employed because they rely on a lot of physical assets. So there's a big business opportunity for them. And there's also untapped value spaces. I think the commodity business is also very interesting. Again, a lot of competition there uh, and a big struggle to remain competitive advantage. And the third type of business I would have top of mind would be highly regulated environments. uh, Because in these instances, you'll have, well, quite a number of challenges uh, uh, coming towards you that you can answer better if you have the agility that anything as a service offering would uh, would have in store for you. But I don't know, Niels, if you... Uh, no, you I was thinking more of, of kind of personal preference of things that I would like uh, as a service. Um, I'm a little bit of a tech uh, 
geek from a gadget perspective. So instead of having to buy, right, you name it, a tablet, your AirPods, maybe not the right example, but those types of things, if I can right, get in a subscription model where I can get a new one every, right, six months, I'd be up for it. And I think it probably exists already. I'm just not aware of it uh, at this point. Um, uh, another question. Um, do we have any examples of this going wrong in the field? Do you know, are you aware of any company that switched and it's like, oh, we shouldn't have done that? Yeah, there's 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 examples out there. And that's also why I think the, the think big, start small, scale fast really, really helps because you want to look at what are the big assumptions that I'm making? What are the big risks? How can I test them at an early stage so that if you fail, your, well, accumulated investments are still limited. And then that's just the nature of the innovation game. If you keep piling on investments and you refuse to kill your uh, darlings or you're uh, looking at a sunk cost uh, fallacy where you think, well, we've invested so much already, we need to continue... Yeah, then uh, then things uh, move south. Yeah, every once in a while I see some examples of, I think the latest one I saw was like air conditioning as a service. Um, and I, even I struggle a little bit with that concept. Um, because as a service to me also means that I can stop using it, right, and return it. Um, in the laundry example, right, that I gave earlier, um, if I don't like the laundry machine anymore, I can just cancel my subscription. And I'm, I'm assuming somebody will come and pick it up. What you're talking more there are kind of, in essence, will come closer to leasing, which is just a spread payment plan, to be honest. Yeah, and do you, do you incorporate it end-to-end? Uh, an example of dishwashers as a service failed because their main target audience turned out to be students who used the, well, the product in a different way than their existing customer base typically would use it. And there it failed because, well, yep. it didn't add up cost-wise. So let's say I'm interested in this topic. Are there any things do you recommend for our listeners to read, to listen to, to watch maybe? Or people to follow? Besides you, of course. So, so on, on LinkedIn, uh, there's the hashtag right, subscription economy, uh, which is a good one to follow. Um, there's also the subscription economy business book um, that includes a lot of the examples. It's a few years old now, so um, there's probably been new ones, but those are the ones that I tend to, uh, tend to follow. Yeah, and I think if you're looking for a broader look, um, anything as a service is a bit newer. If you want to have a vast library to tap into, software as a service, I think it's one of the initial, well, starters of this. A lot of the concepts carry over, so that could be interesting to look into as well. Um, how, how would I get in contact with you guys? So we have a um, solutions transformation page online that we'll link into the notes of this podcast that has both for Dan and myself our uh, contact details. That's the easiest way to uh, to get contact uh, or get connected to us, uh, obviously on LinkedIn and all the usual social channels as well. Yeah, and I would really encourage to do so, uh, just to grab a cup of coffee and have a chat about it. It's something that really uh, inspires us and, and drives us. Uh, so we're happy to uh, to learn about uh, what is out there and uh, yeah, talk about this topic. So open invitation to everybody who's listening. And that marks the end of this episode. We talked about what solution transformations are, seen some great examples, discussed the effects on sustainability and other benefits and challenges. 
and in the end touched upon some opportunities and recommendations. Before I give the final word to Dan and Niels, I'd like to thank them both for their great stories during this episode. I'd like to thank Solomon for co-hosting with me, and of course I'd like to thank you for listening. I hope you liked it, and see you again next month. Get familiar with the trend and the topic, um, and start to think how about how you can start this, right, and small, because very likely that no matter what you're selling, whether it's a physical product, a digital service, this will one way, uh, sooner rather than later, impact you. And it never hurts to at least wrap your head around the topic and educate yourself. Yeah, I agree. I think I think the, the, the key point would be look at value creation beyond the boundaries that you currently impose on yourself. Look at adjacent value spaces. Look at the ecosystem that you're active in. Look for opportunities to create value for your customers and to capitalize on them because that's the end and I think anything as a service subscriptions they're all a means to an end and as long as you keep that relation very clear then you'll intuitively know where the opportunities are and uh, yeah explore that direction and I would be uh, I would be surprised if there's uh, not room for improvement there <laughs>